Come on, could you just clap your hands and praise him for just a moment? Just, however long you were thinking of doing it, go a little longer. Just keep clapping your hands and lifting your voice for another moment here. So many times, we, it's almost like we've got it timed out, but what if we were to clap our hands for about the next minute and a half? Just clap your hands. Let's give God a standing ovation. Hadn't he been good? Hadn't he been great? Hadn't he healed? Hadn't he delivered? Over and over and over. Hallelujah. Praise him. Hallelujah. That's it. Just for another moment while the music's just playing, just, just let the music of that praise just come echoing out. I praise to our King. I bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what a blessed people we are. What a blessed people we are to serve this great King, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace, this God of all comfort, the Scripture says. And the Bible says for us to clap our hands, but it also says and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. But you got to know you got victory to do that. You can't fake that. You got to know that you've got victory. Anybody know they got victory in this house? Then I charge you one more time. Clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God. I want you to think about when you should have been gone and out of this world, but somehow you're still in the house of God. Somehow you're still praising him. Somehow you're not dead. Somehow you're alive. Somehow God's blessed you. You went from having nothing to God giving you every desire of your heart. Let me tell you, it's good. Ooh, it's good to serve the Lord. That'll make you. <laughs> Ooh, that'll make you shout right there. I get to hear that all the time. She does that every time I walk in the room. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm getting carnal. I better quit. The Lord's good. The Lord's good. Hmm. God's got something in this place for us tonight. I feel it coming. I feel it. Oh, if I could make you feel the victory I feel. I hope you can. Oh, if I could 
if I could, I wouldn't sell it to you. I'd just give it to you if I could give it to you. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I believe the man of God's going to get us there tonight. Before he comes, I want to say thank you to everyone that's here tonight. Thank you for coming to be with us. We're celebrating 15 years, 15 years in a day now. So here we're starting another countdown. So headed toward another year. I'm glad to see each and every one of you, dear friends, my brother, Sister Harvey, and brother, Sister Faircloth, Jaden. So glad y'all are here. Got to come. Brother Bobby, glad to see you tonight. Brother Bobby was here for us, with us for a while. We're thankful for the time he was here. All of you that's here tonight, God bless you so much. I'm so glad to see uh, the McClure's, that's a, uh, and, uh, Sister Shelby's family, her grandmother, sister, and uh, aunt. So glad tonight that they, they are here. Uh, the McClure's have been part of my life as long as I can remember. Really. I, I crashed. That's the word we used back then. I crashed <laughs> at Sister Sandra's house many times. I grew up with her boys and uh, loved them dearly. Loved them dearly. I want you to pray for them when you think about it. I always remember them. Uh, they lost uh, Jake uh, a few months ago, and uh, he was such an incredible, incredible person. He was, and I want you to remember them, pray for them. They're going to be all right, though. They're going to make it in Jesus' name. Yep. He was a great friend. He was a great son. He was a great uncle. And he was a great husband, great dad. He's just a great man all the way around. Lo loved him so much and appreciated knowing him. I appreciate my friends here. Tomorrow morning at 11, Sister Green's going to be speaking to us. I'm looking so forward to that. It's going to be great. I'm so glad Sister Lindsay's here with us. Just precious friends. And Brother Green's got something for us tonight, so my friend, won't you come to the platform tonight and just give us what you've got. But I'm going to need you to, don't be taking a breather now. Let's stay focused, engaged, and let's preach with this preacher, and let's worship this, this great God we serve, and let's see what happens in this place tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Has our Father been good to us today? Oh, what a privileged people we are to be so loved by our Father. And it's a privilege to be here again today. I want to say congratulations again uh, to pastors Ed and Candy Walden. Uh, we love them both and so glad that they're our friends. Of course, we love their ever-growing family, Jake and Annabeth and and the soon-to-be's, and also want to say to those that are here that um, our pastors that are here, Brother Harvey, Sister Harvey, God bless you. We love you guys. Good to see you. And also Maddie Boy and Courtney Girl. I, I don't know their last names, so I just have to do what I know there. <clears throat> uh, they've been friends to us. Even they were a neighbor to us even last night, so I'm thankful them and then all the ministry in the house and the house today what a privilege to be with you I am uh, coming with a great contrast from last night and uh, it's interesting in the scripture so much of the kingdom of God teaches us temperance and balance but there's a few areas 
that we are told to be in excess. And so we're going to move in that place today. Reading from Matthew chapter 11. Two portions of scripture, also from Ephesians 5. But from Matthew chapter 11, begin reading at verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is likened unto children in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We've piped into you and you've not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. Here's the extremes. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. That means some things you don't really see the wisdom in it until you see what's birthed or what comes from it. John the Baptist was a strange dude, never ate, <laughs> but a bite of locust and wild honey. But Jesus was the opposite. He was always feasting, always going to suppers. If he wasn't going to them, he's talking about them. It's a man that throw a big feast, eating all the time. And the extremes of these was through the sake of reaching this generation. And then from Ephesians chapter 5, Verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. I've been some places I needed to preach just that verse alone. Wake up, you dead people. Huh? Verse 15, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Paul is not talking about foolishness here. He's talking about wisdom. Wisdom is justified of her children, and he's talking about wisdom. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The more we see days being evil, and the closer we get to that time, we need to be understanding what Paul is saying here. So see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Wherefore, verse 17 be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Does anybody here want to know the will of the Lord? Do you want to know the will of the Lord for you? Specifically, individually, particularly. Do you want to know the will of God for RAC? Okay, here it is. Will of the Lord is, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on alcohol and Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. But do get drunk on the Holy Ghost. Here's the excess. 
We're not talking about foolishness, and we're not talking about emotional hype. We're talking about some wisdom and the will of the Lord. <laughs> How do we do that? Verse 19, well, you speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That, that is pretty lofty don, the King James Version. But it's basically telling us you get lost in your worship and your praise. You go ahead and get a dance and a run in your feet. You begin to let God know excessively how good he has been and how thankful we are. Giving thanks. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I'm not sure what to name the sermon today. I told him at first that perhaps it would be Jesus is a party animal. But that's why I didn't, because some of you are a little confused about that, and some even a little upset about that. <laughs> so maybe I'll name it something else, but I don't know what it is, so we'll wait and see where that goes. Maybe you can name it. This is what we want to do today. I am so hungry to go to that next dimension. We know how to have good church, RAC. We, we, we know how to touch God. And, and we see miracles and some things happening here and there. But I want to go to that next dimension. And I've come to the place that I don't care what it takes. If it takes excess, then I want to be excess no matter what somebody thinks and no matter what somebody says. Let's go to that new dimension. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. How long was it? Okay. I did a search in the Word of God and found something interesting, and this is from Strong's Concordance, if you will. I looked and found out what the Word of God likes to tell us about life things. And I was pretty happy to find out that 655 times in the Word of God, the word eat is mentioned. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 105 times eaten. 56 times eateth. 27 times eating. In fact, 124 times you find the word feast. The plural of that, another 31 times feasts. You find 369 times the word of God says drink. <laughs> Drunk is in there 19 times, 30 times drank, 17 times drinking, 21 drinking, 290 times meat. I'm not preaching against any particular group of people, but I like that 290 times meat. 55 times food, 
361 times bread. Sorry, keto. Three times dine. 41 times dinner, 14 times supper, 28 times happy, 165 times joy, 8 times dance, 15 times mirth, 18 times laugh, 13 times laugh, 1 time laughing, 3 times celebrate, 7 times celebration, 192 times rejoice, and again I say rejoice. What you need to understand is that Jesus enjoys a good celebration. He loves to get together and fellowship. He loves a place of joy. He loves a place of happiness. In fact, what's amazing to me that the foundation of his miraculous ministry the very first miracle that he does that sets a foundation and a governing basis for everything that his miraculous ministry is about seems so strange because he's not raising the dead. That would make sense because he is the resurrection and he is the light. It's not opening blind eyes. That would make sense because when you meet him, it's coming out of darkness into this marvelous light. But his first miracle, the foundation of his miraculous ministry, is turning water into wine. Not at a church service, at a wedding. And you wonder what is the basis and the foundation and why would this be the miraculous ministry that he's beginning to move forward into? Because you've got to see the picture. Everybody had come to the feast expecting a full week perhaps of festivities. But somewhere the calculation had become a little off and they ran out of the customary drink of the day. And now Elijah turns to Hezekiah and says, well, I know there's a couple days more scheduled, but let's just go home. I made up some names in case you're wondering where that is in the Bible there. And Joe turns to Nancy. How about that? <laughs> And says, go get the buggy, Nancy. Party's over. <laughs> all the laughing, all the joke telling, all the dancing, it's over. But Jesus turns a party that's dying back into a place of joy, back into a place of happiness, back into a place of mirth, because our Lord loves a place of celebration. When you look at his miraculous ministry, this is what he's always doing. He comes to graveyards and turns them into a place of dancing. He comes to darkness and turns it into a place of laughter. He comes to brokenness and turns it into a place of strength and celebration. This is what he is all about. It's turning frowns upside down. It's making smiles and joys and laughter and mirth. But this one, I think, blew me away when I looked up this word and found that in the Word of God, there is 231 times that wine is mentioned. And that's interesting to me because Galatians 5.21, as well as other places, is very plain that it is a work of the flesh to be drunken. That it is not something that we are to partake of, drunkenness, by wine. It's not something that we are to give ourselves to. 
how then do we see 231 times wine mentioned in the Scripture? Because the action of wine upon man and woman is the best parallel that we have in the spiritual to see how the new wine or the Spirit of God can be in an individual and completely change their life. When people around us get drunk, we really quickly declare, don't worry about them, that's not them, it's the alcohol. And immediately people know because of the way you're acting and the way you're talking and the way that you're doing things that you are under the influence of something else. So the scripture uses this parallel that every once in a while you need to get in excess. And this is not foolishness and it's not just emotional push and it's not just trying to get your Holy Ghost do do on. There's wisdom and wisdom is justified of her children. Every once in a while you need to be excessive in your dance, excessive in your worship, excessive in your jump, excessive in your run, excessive with your praise, excessive with your worship. I have had cycles in my life that I have reached again today. When God has brought me to places where I've become comfortable in my walk with God, in my relationship with my Father, comfortable in my ministry. I can do this. I can make this happen. I can flow here. I can operate here. And then when I get comfortable there, he leaves me for a while. I don't know if you quite understand what I'm saying here. He says, if you're so comfortable, then you do it. If you've got this, go for it. And it stirs something in me that I realize this isn't about my comfort level. In fact, very little time should I spend in comfort with my walk with God and with my ministry. This is what usually happens when God begins to deal with me in my personal devotion or in ministry. I feel like He's thrown me in the deep end. And I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Oh my goodness, how am I going to survive this? How am I going to operate where this place that you have put me? How am I going to be able to move and flow in this area? And I feel like that I'm just trying to keep my head above water. But as I tread water and as I trust in God and as I reach to Him desperately for faith, then I begin to learn how to tread water in that deep end. And by the time that I learn what I'm doing, He throws me in the next deep end. But on occasion, there are times that I'm not pursuing and chasing Him like I should be. And I get very comfortable. You know, it's interesting that we ask God, God, get us out of our comfort zone and take us to that next level. And then when God begins to press us out of the comfort zone, we're like, oh God, why am I so uncomfortable? 
Why do I feel this way? Why am I dealing with these relationships? Why am I struggling with this battle? Why am I uncomfortable? Well, you prayed to get you out of your comfort zone. Crazy how that God answers our prayer and we forget what we prayed. I was kind of in one of these times and this has been cycles. So I'm trying to let you understand this has probably happened several times in my life and I'm there. I'm ready. And I had come into a place where I was way too comfortable. Our call in our ministry. And for several years as it was at that time, my wife and I had been so privileged to be in many open doors and over 300 services a year that for year after year after year we've been privileged to be a part of all over the world and all over North America. Understand that because of the very, very busy schedule that we have, it wasn't often that I'd get the chance to go somewhere else where somebody else is ministering and to hear them preach and be preached to. I had an opportunity, we were actually in Wisconsin at the time, I think you'll remember some of this, Luscious, that we were there in Wisconsin and we had opportunity to drive down to Milwaukee and hear a speaker speak. His name was Tom Foster, who has become a very good friend through the years. And so we drove down and we sat, you know, somewhere close to the front because we didn't want to appear backslid. I mean, we're ministers, right? We got to, you know, put, put some kind of a show in there. Not the front row because that's too much expectation. But, you know, a few rows back. And so we were sitting there. In fact, we were running a little late and got there and there was only seats in the middle for us to sit in. And so there we were. And Brother Foster is preaching his message, and he's really talking about passion. Anybody know who Tom Foster is? Heard any of his ministry? Just a handful. Well, some of you will understand what I'm saying here. This is what he's all about. Passion. And so he's preaching and he's declaring, hey, we've got a Pentecost Sunday coming up soon, and I want to see some people. Wow. Tom Foster that are passionate about Pentecost Sunday. How many of you leaders want your people to be passionate in the altar, he said. How many of you want your worship service to be powerful and passionate? Well, if you're going to have a passionate service, then the leaders have got to lead the people in power. I mean, he is shucking the corn telling us that we've got to be passionate. And he's jumping all over the place and he's shouting and he's spitting and he, he's just, he's going for it. He is preaching. And then all of a sudden in the middle of his preaching, he stopped and he said, Tim Green, my evangelist friend, get up here. I, I was not prepared for this. Understand, I wasn't preaching. So I was taking the day off. Mentally, spiritually, expectation-wise, just coming to listen. In fact, I had been in that service and rebuked by my wife a couple of times. Because I had sat there and instead of worshiping, I was critiquing. Look at the dress she has on, baby. What do you think about that? Just, you know, all the things that... When you're in that place, you do. <laughs> and finally, Lois had enough after I gave three or four, and I said, you know, even about Tom Foster, I said, ah, that word ain't even English. He just made that one up. And finally, she turned to me and she said, Tim, your attitude stinks. 
Can you believe that? And so I started, you know, when you think you're stinky, start checking yourself. And I'm thinking, what well, if my attitude stinks? That was a harsh thing for my beloved to say to me. And so I asked the Lord, is that true? Does my attitude stink? And the Lord said to me, oh, yeah. Smelled you coming through the door, son. And I was hurt. But then conviction began to get a hold of me. And it's about that time that I've barely been listening to the preacher because I've got this turmoil in my spirit that he's pointed me out and said, Tim, get up here. And so I put on that face and jumped up, everything's good, ran up to the platform, hugged Brother Foster, said, I love you, man. And he said, ah, Tim Green, ah, blah, 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 blah. I, I'm telling you, that's literally what he said. If you know him, you know that that's what he said. And then he, I don't, I don't know what that means, but it kind of made me feel good, so I took it as a compliment. And he said, Tim Green, are you preaching this Pentecost Sunday? And I said, yes, sir. You know, I, I, and he said, are you going to be a passionate preacher this Sunday? Ah, oh, yes, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, well, let me hear you preach like you're going to preach this next Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm not prepared. And that was the last thing I wanted to hear. I, I, I need somebody to help me here. Come here, Steve. This is going to be Brother Foster for a little while. I want you to know Brother Foster has gotten better looking in the last few seconds. A whole lot younger and stronger. And Don't tell him I said any of that. You'll be calling me up again. Okay, so what I need to do is just because it's too difficult to tell you, I need to show you what happened, all right? So get the picture. Brother Foster has the microphone. I'm going to give you the microphone, and I'm going to tell you what to say, okay? So Brother Foster has the microphone, and he's called me up, right? And now he says, all the stuff that he's saying. And then he said, Brother Green, are you going to preach? Oh, yeah, I'm going to preach. So he said, now I want to hear what you're going to say. And I was so glad that he did turn to me, and this is what I need you to do, and say, preach God is good like you're going to preach it on that Pentecost Sunday with all the passion you have. So, so this, Brother Foster, yeah. <laughs> This is what happened, and Brother Foster, you just, you just, you just got to see it, okay? Just bear with me. I want you to preach passionately about how God is good. I said, God, He's so good, and He'll change your life forever. And I threw the microphone back. Bring that up. I'm going to need it, Brother TJ. I threw, turned to Brother Foster and threw the microphone, ready to get out of there as quick as I could. And he stopped me and said, No! Preach some more! Preach some more! Did he do that, baby? 
and he threw me the microphone halfway across. Thank you, Brother Foster. Threw the microphone, and I'm catching it like this right here. I'm not prepared for any of this. And so I did the same thing at the top of my lungs, jumping up and down and crying out how good God was. And something happened in that place. A seminar turned into an explosion of the Holy Ghost. I looked up to see Brother Foster. He was running the backs of the pews all the way to the back of the building. People were literally falling out as he walked by and the Holy Ghost healing upon their bodies. Individuals began to run down to the front, dancing and running and streaming to the front. Miracles were happening. People were praying through. A fresh anointing was moving upon individuals in the place. Long story short, we walked away from that, me feeling so small knowing my preparation had been so little, my expectation so small. And God chose to push me and depress me through my brother into a new dimension of excess in my worship and excess in my praise. And I began to see the demonstration of what God was doing. I thoroughly repented and told God that I will not do that again. That if I have the opportunity to go to a church service and hear somebody else preach, I'm not taking the day off. <laughs> I'm going to worship. I'm, go I'm going to connect. I Even if it's not my time to sing on the platform, I'm going to be the best worshiper in the place. I I'm going to give myself an excess of praise. I'm going to show him that he's worthy, that he is my father, and he's worthy of my adoration. He's worthy of my praise. I really, sit down for a moment, I really did think that that was over and a good lesson that he had taught me. And I thought that we're just going to go on from there. But just a couple of months later, I was back in the Georgia district attending camp meeting. And Dr. Nathaniel Wilson was preaching, who might be one of the most intelligent theologians that I know of at least alive on the world today in the world today and instead of taking a a masterful thesis and astounding everyone in the Georgia district he was preaching the simplest message about how joy is in the house of the Lord and that sometimes you gotta leap for joy. And that there's a place of excess in our praise and in our worship that looses deep things in the spirit. I'm telling you, I was there in prayer because I had promised God. And I was feeling something in my spirit that this is a new dimension that God is trying to do for the entire Georgia district. But I'm looking around and we're dead as doornails. He has a stand up. It's the end of his sermon. It's crickets. It's almost like it said, every head bow, every eye closed. No, but he was not preaching that way. He, he was preaching fire. 
he began to tell a story. He said uh, he had been up in Canada somewhere, and power of praise began to flow so strong. He said that praise got so demonstrative that some of the people that were there actually took the ties off their neck and tied it to their head. And I thought, that's a Canadian for you right there. Them crazy northerners, you know. And as I'm thinking that and he's telling the story, Holy Ghost speaks to me and says, that's what you've come here to do today. And I said, no, Father. You're talking to the person behind me, aren't you? And he said, no. I thought you were praying to get you out of your comfort zone and take you to the next level. I sent a man of God all the way from California to preach this, and if nobody here is hearing it because it don't look like there was many, he said, I sent this to you. So get your tie off your neck and put it on your head. And so I turned to Lois and I said, uh, baby doll, do you love me? And it stopped her for just a second, and she said, Tim, if God's telling you to do something, you do it. And I said, well, if you would help me then, because I need to get my tie around my head. Come here, baby. And so we're about three-quarters of the way back. Nobody's really watching what's happening here. Down a little bit. Yeah, like that. I think so. Yeah, do it good. Oh, not so tight. I still got to think, you know. Yeah, that, that's, that's good. Oh, okay, that's good. I don't know. We'll see. I think I had a, a tie at the time, not a bow tie. But I tied it around my head. And I took my jacket off. And everybody, I'm telling you, it's like, it's like every head bowed, every eye. It's so quiet in the campgrounds. And he's up there just preaching away about some crazy Canadian. I'm sitting over here on this side. And I said, okay, now's the time. And I stepped out of my seat. I started waving my jacket like this with my tie on my head, running down to the front. You know, I got down to the front. And I was pretty sure that's why they've got the double doors there. So when some crazy person comes running down, they can open both doors. Poo, poo. Let's have church. You know. The ushers can take care of that situation real quick. But I made it past the double doors and no ushers had jumped up to tackle me. And I made it to the front, waving my coat and crying out how good God is. He is worthy of my highest praise. There's nobody like my Father. I exalt and adore Him. And to my surprise, no ushers tackling me. Brother Cole and Brother Wheatley weren't kicking me out. But instead, Brother Wilson said, Yeah! That's what I'm talking about. Is there anybody want to have excess of worship? I'll I tell, tell, tell you this story. I, 
you're not going to believe it, and I couldn't believe it either. Because in that same service, there was a wacko dude that was sitting over here, crazy as he could be. And as I was down the front worshiping, I watched this nutcake actually put a tie on his head and run down to the front waving his coat. I thought, look at that crazy dude. And then from the middle, two people almost racing came down, ties on their head, coats in the air. I think that we had only made one lap across the front or two, and the place began to explode. A traditional-minded camp service with very few revival, thoughtful individuals in the place began to explode and backsliders ran down to the front and lifted up their hands and received the gift of the Holy Ghost and miracles began to happen in the place. So, so I left the campgrounds. I left the campgrounds and I began to talk to the Lord. That's, that's pretty neat, God. That you demonstrated something to me in Wisconsin. And then you called me to operate in that same dimension here in Georgia. And I thought it was over. Until a few weeks later, I stepped behind the pulpit with all of my notes prepared. Message that I knew was going to be powerful and the people were going to love and great things were going to happen. And the Spirit of the Lord said, no, not preaching that. And I said, but God, it's a really good one. It's going to work. And He said, I want you to go in excess of worship and praise. It was kind of, these... These are Wisconsinites I was preaching to. And, you know, we want to say that they're a little more reserved at times. And so I'm preaching this message. And the habit up north in so many places is that, you know, like you've been doing preaching the preacher, that don't happen so much. They're listening. And if you're uncomfortable with silence while you're preaching, it can make you really uncomfortable. I'd gotten kind of used to it, but I'm watching their faces, and I'm thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know that this is going over. God, maybe you should have let me preach the other one. And then as I began to challenge the people, I watched the drummer <laughs> run away from his drums and get down to the front. And he started, he started twirling like he was Twinkerbell or something. I, and I thought, well, good Lord, this is crazy. They are going to kick me out of this place. And then he kind of fell over on the altar and he began to drum on the altar. And it was a praise. It wasn't a practice on the drum. Just drumming on the altar as a praise to God. And when the sound of that began to magnify across the place, it was like there was a beat of the Spirit that had picked up. A man in the back told us this testimony that while he was drumming, he had had a ringing in his ears for over a week, been to the doctor. They said, when it quits ringing, you'll lose hearing in that ear. It's completely shot. It's gone. Years of loud noises and things that he's dealt with. You'll never hear out of that ear again. He said he noticed that the ringing had stopped while he was drumming. But it didn't sound like he had lost his hearing, so he plugged up his good ear and he could hear completely what was happening. 
And when he began to rejoice because of his miracle, physical miracles began to... I'm talking about a place that I want to go to. And I'm not happy with content with just good things happening. Get me out of my comfort zone. Take me to a new level. Backsliders were running for the altar. And before you could lay hands on their head, they're already speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Crazy praise erupts in the place. I'm talking about up north. Young people getting drunk in the spirit and having to take them home, drunk in the spirit, carrying them out to their car and drive them home, praying in tongues until they can't quit praying in tongues. And even when they wake up the next morning, still speaking in other tongues, can't even speak in English. I'm talking about a new... We have gotten comfortable, and I'm done. We have gotten comfortable because we're much more educated than what we have been the last couple of generations. We're no longer the other side of the tracks in Azusa Street. So we are, society looks at us, and we're highly offended if they would call us holy rollers today. And so we have gotten a comfort level in our praise and our worship. But Jesus demands this of the generation, that he has come to do the supernatural and the miraculous in excess. And so like last night, there was a mourning and a weeping and a deep, deep move of the Spirit. And some were like, well, that wasn't for me. So today, it's the opposite in excess. There is going to be a powerful praise and excess of worship in this place. And Jesus is saying, I'll go to any extreme to move you. I'll go as deep as you'll let me go. I'll go as high as you'll let me go because I'm looking for someone that'll get out of their comfort zone and go to the next level. All right, halfway, approximately halfway between Matthew where Jesus is speaking to us in our text and halfway to Galatians or Ephesians that speaks to us in our second text, there's a happening in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And when the Holy Ghost fell, Everybody watching thought they were drunk. When's the last time that guests among us left and said, I, I, I thought everybody in the place was drunk. We've gotten comfortable with a certain level of our praise and worship. But when there's a new dimension like a Holy Ghost outpouring to mankind. 
That is the beginning of the prophecy of flesh. God feeling his flesh, all flesh receiving the Holy Ghost. Sons and daughters prophesy supernatural in the prophetic. When there's a dimension that begins to usher us into that, they were so full of the Spirit that they were not inhibited to act crazy in their praise and their worship and to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Here's the challenge. I'm going back to Elder Bishop's words that if we expect to have a church service like that, then there's got to be some leaders that lead in demonstration of excess praise and worship. Pastor, I, I know you'll join me right now. Put that tie where it belongs, my friend. At least for tonight. <laughs> hey, Brother Harvey, you want a piece of this? Get on down here, my brother. <laughs> I, I don't need to have to invite some young ministers in the house. I like it, Landon. I like it, buddy. How about, are there any spiritual leaders that are not males but you're females that feel what I'm preaching today? I don't know if you have a tie or not, but if you've got a handkerchief or a scarf or you've got something that you can wave in the place, That's what I'm talking about. to me listen to me I know that there's limitations here today limitations of energy limitations all the kind of things that we have but what I feel in the Holy Ghost is that he wants to get us out of our comfort zone and we know where we're comfortable right we know where we're comfortable and when we really get crazy then we do a little Jesus dance but God's calling us to a place where we're actually so full of the Spirit that people look at us think we're drunk. And if we will give access in the Spirit with praise and worship, He'll give us access to the supernatural. Huh? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. 
Yeah, yes, 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 yes. I see healing on your wife, Nathan. I see healing on your wife. Somebody break through. Somebody break through. Is that as excessive as you can get? Hey, I just felt physical healing move into this place. If you need a miracle in your body, it's time to worship him. I'm telling you jump, I'm telling you dance, I'm telling you shout, there's a miracle of healing for you. Somebody get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Come on, we're just getting started. Why don't you belly up to the bar and get you another drink of the Holy Ghost? Why don't you get you a good taste of God in your life? in the spirit get lost in the spirit forget about where you're at forget about who's around you and worship him in excess we're ready let's see
Hang on, hang on a second. Come on, listen to me just a second. Don't stop playing. Just, just get it a little low for me for a second. Ooh, if I believe anything, I believe what the man of God said tonight. I'm gonna tell you where we. I'm gonna tell you the roadblock we hit. Well, as soon as I feel the Holy Ghost, as soon as I feel, then I'll get to moving. Because if you. If you're not waiting for the Holy Ghost you feel, well, then you're just in your flesh. I don't want to be in my flesh. Let me ask you what else you got to be in until he comes and gets you. When David and Israel were bringing back the ark, when the glory was coming back to Israel, it said, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Now the Bible tells me whatever I find to do, to do it with all my, with all my might. If I happen to find myself in a place of praise, I ought to do it with all my might. So I ain't got no chill bumps. Can I shout? Is that safe? Yeah, it's safe. Did God still wash you? Did God still feel you whether or not you got chill bumps or not? Has God been good to you whether or not you can feel chill bumps up and down your body or not? God still saved you. He still blessed you. You ought to shout and worship with all your might. You ought to say the glory is coming back into my life. And I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to play with all my might. jump up here and preach a little bit behind this I like what he said on the day of Pentecost he man that room was full of these drunk people when's the last time you've been accused of being drunk in the house of the Lord I don't want somebody to think I'm just a just a sipping saint I don't want to be a social drinker in my praise. 
but I want to get fall down drunk in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I got a praise. I got a praise and I got to let it out. When you get in the house of the Lord like this, you get in the middle of a bunch of people that's in one mind and one accord, and all they're doing is worshiping God and praising Him. I think sometimes what it is we're a little self conscious. But you're going to blend right in, leaping and shouting and clapping and stomping and praising. You're just going to fit right in. Nobody's going to say, wow, look at them showing out. 
but they're going to rejoice with them that rejoice. <laughs> you ain't going to make me fall out if I see you dance. I'm just going to dance with you. Oh, don't miss your blessing. Don't miss an opportunity for your blessing. You just praise and keep praising. Listen. The atmosphere for the miraculous is here. And I'm telling you, if you, and God can touch you, yeah, I know He can touch you right where you are. But I would challenge you right now that if you got a need in your body, that you just walk with your hands lifted toward the front and just start believing God. Start making your way down to this altar area with your hands lifted up. And if you see somebody coming with their hands up, go to them and lay your hand on them and speak a miracle right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. You can get your healing in this place tonight. Come on, saints, if you've been praising and worshiping, you see somebody coming to this altar with their hands lifted up, lay your hands on them and pray for a miracle right now in the name of Jesus. We're going to leave this house with miracles and signs and wonders. There's going to be miraculous healings testified from this service tonight in the name of Jesus. Come on, 